0: Welcome to the Bill Kelly Podcast. I'm Bill Kelly. Well, it's time for the Mayor's Town Hall. Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger joins us in studio to take questions about, well, things like LRT and an upcoming trip to India. And body-worn cameras on police officers. A report going before the Hamilton Police Services Board recommends against having officers wear them. We'll tell you why. The Bill Kelly Podcast starts now.
1: Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML...
0: But to begin with, as we said, here in Hamilton, uh, lot's going on, too. Uh, and it's the Mayor's Town Hall right now. Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger joins us in studio. Uh, and we will go to your calls in a few minutes here, 905 645 star 9900 is a toll-free number for you. You can reach us also by email, bkelly at 900chml.com, and on Twitter at chmlbillkelly. Questions, comments for Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger, uh, and your chance to uh, have a direct line. To the mayor of the city of Hamilton, and uh, we'll give you that shot in just a couple of minutes. Good morning, Mister Mayor. Good morning. A little warmer
2: today. Uh, little marginally. Last, last time we sat together, it was Monday outside downtown Gore Park. It was frosty, and uh, the snow was still coming down. But right
0: notwithstanding that, big a, crowd, a huge crowd once huge again, huge
2: crowd, and uh, warm hearts, and all of them uh, respecting you know the veterans that uh, that gave uh, service to their country. So it was really uh, delightful to see, and it seems that every year it seems to grow. And uh, nice to see uh, younger people coming out as well to kind of reflect on you. A lot
0: of school age kids are going. A lot of
2: school age kids. Well, so that's that's a good remembrance, I think, and a a nice transfer of knowledge from one generation to the next. uh make sure that we all remember uh, the horrors of war, and uh, at the same time, respect those that uh, participate in
0: it. Well, I, I was talking to some people, because there were ceremonies, of course, all over the place, different legions, of course, were doing them, and uh, the, of course, up at the War Heritage Museum, too. There were six uh, or seven of them all over for, town, all, For, actually. All, the, for was, all the softies could we... that couldn't stand outside. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I, but I anyway. I
2: we were both thinking, why weren't we up there on Monday? On <laughs> we well, were sitting out there in the there's cold. There's that.
0: Yeah. But uh, I was talking to some friends last night from Stony Creek, and they were at the Stony out there, and they said, it's was probably about half of what it usually was because it was pretty blustery and they yeah. said what about downtown I said nah, it was huge
2: same same crowd as last year I thought yeah uh, you know it was pretty much the uh, the same same uh, volume and uh, you know the day before in terms of the uh, the military uh, parade coming into uh into the Cenotaph area downtown was uh, as as uh, you know as, as illustrious as it always is. So uh, I, I and I hear for anecdotally from other other uh, locations in Waterdown and uh, Dundas, uh, Stony Creek, of course, Glanbrook, and all of them had uh, had great turnouts for their uh, for their for their. Uh, Memorial, so I'm, uh, I'm I'm impressed every year that uh, people turn out. But they
0: cleared out pretty quickly when it was over. <laughs> Three minutes. Well, yeah. you know I
2: mean, you, you and I sat down to, to start a conversation. And I looked up and the whole place was empty. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Every coffee shop in the downtown was full.
2: <laughs> so India,
0: yes. What's going on there?
2: Well, uh, you know, I thought it's snowing. Let's let's just get out of here <laughs> and get to a warmer climate here. And you're, you're going to Calgary, and uh, you know a lot of people hopefully are going to go and. Uh, Participate in the in the Great Cup, but uh, India is where uh, you know new and exciting business opportunities exist. Uh, you know, one of the the largest, uh, you know, fastest growing economies in the world, and there's has already been a developed relationship between uh, companies and towns in uh, in India, and we're going to continue to nurture that uh, relationship uh, this trip with some very specific targets and some specific industries and businesses that are coming with us. So. Uh, some uh, some local businesses like uh, Sunrise Metals, uh, Brightfish Inc., uh, Nix Sensor Inc., which is a you know a, a technology company that got a major investment uh, not too long ago here in Hamilton, about a mm-hmm. hundred million dollar investment, which for for a Hamilton company is quite extraordinary, and uh, Transport Corp. Uh, all are coming with us, including McMaster and Mohawk that are interested in international students and developing relationships, and of course then. MIP, which you know continues to look for uh, cross cross border uh, relationships that it can help enhance uh, the McMaster Innovation Park and all the research that's happening there. So, looking forward to this trip. I, I've never been to India. Uh, I'm uh, I'm a, a bit of a wimp when it comes to spicy food, so uh, that's one little worry. So I'm, uh, you know, I, the, the, the Dutch are not known for uh, you know we're kind of like the English or maybe even the Irish that uh, you know bland food is probably the uh, the, the Dutch tradition, but I'm, uh, I'm going to be uh, very intrigued by uh, the people that we're going to meet there and uh, the very important businesses that have thoughts and ideas about what they might want to do in, in Canada. And you know, one of the selling features that we're going for is obviously Hamilton and Hamilton's location and the, you know, the good port, the uh, lake port that we have and the airport that we have, good transportation networks and, and a well-educated population and workforce but uh, but Canada seemed to be a stable economy that uh, people uh, in other countries are interested in investing in in terms of growing and expanding their their markets so all of that uh, bodes well for future opportunities just uh, you know an example of why this kind of trip is important uh, we visited leipzig germany about 2 years I was ago. going to ask you about that yeah yeah and uh, you know it was all about uh, targeting DHL and a couple of other companies and we uh, had a great conversation with them. They had the, a minor presence in Hamilton already and said, you know, there, there was really a need for your, your expansion here. And if you're going to expand, Hamilton is a great choice. And two years later, they've uh, made a significant investment here in Hamilton. And that relationship has actually turned into something very positive, positive in terms of the employment opportunities, a couple of hundred additional folks that are going to be employed there. And uh, commercial industrial tax base for the city. Each and every year now, uh, based on their expansion, we're going to see a half a million dollars more going back into the tax base. Uh, and that's not that's not a one-time event. That's an annual event that happens uh, you know, heretofore. So very important uh, in investments in bringing in new opportunities, new employment, and you know, you can't wait for them to knock on the door. You have to go find them.
0: Well, I've got a problem with some of the stuff that goes on, and I don't, I don't mean this one, mm-hmm. uh, because they all say, and I, I, you might even get some feedback on this today on the show, yeah. uh, you know, what municipalities shouldn't be doing this. The federal and provincial governments should be chasing this international trade. Uh, and, and they they should be, but the problem I've got with that is all too often the provincial government or the federal government, uh, doesn't matter who's in office, invariably, if they're looking at Ontario, they're looking at the 401 corridor. Right. Uh, and we get bypassed an awful lot of the time for some of these things. You know, oh, yeah, Toyota's going to put a Cam- – well, it's going to be in Cambridge, not there, sorry. And on and on it goes. Y- you got to beat your own drummer.
2: For sure. And, uh, you know, and and they have a much broader focus. I mean, uh, their focus provincially or or, or federally is, uh, you know, either for the entire province of Ontario or for the the country as a whole. Uh, We have local, local, uh, you know, requirements and local, uh, local targets in terms of uh, agribusiness and, uh, you know, and, and technology of uh, 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 advanced manufacturing that uh, that are specific to Hamilton and you know we have spaces identified to actually create and grow that cluster so we're much more focused on what Hamilton needs as opposed to the broad brush approach that others are taking to be fair uh, the federal government is uh, funding half of this effort and I think they're also coming to realize that these these uh, types of uh, business, uh, 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 exchanges are much more effective done on a localized basis than it is on a broader basis. So I think they're getting the message as well that, you know, all fine and well to have, you know, international positive relationships. But when it comes to businesses in specific communities, those communities are better off making direct relationships with the industries that actually work for them.
0: Talk to me a little bit about how you set something like this up. Uh, not the first trade mission the city has gone on. No. Uh, you, have as I say, have had a few of them. And a former mayor, Deany uh, did one to China years and years ago, mm-hmm. which paid off. Mm-hmm. But that was done with uh, the liaison of, of of a couple of uh, of Asian Canadians from McMaster and Michael Lee Chin and a couple of other people right. that were kind of blazing the trail and said they should see this person. Let me set this meeting up, etc. A lot of work goes into something mm-hmm. like
2: this. Uh, this is, uh, you know, largely uh, done through the consulate in Toronto. So you you, you need an advocate uh, that that actually can give you some some strategic advice in terms of what you who you should meet and uh, and what companies might be interested in kind of making that move. There was a preliminary trip done uh, a couple of years ago that. Uh, to kind of set the stage and started the conversation so we're now building on that so it's it's never a one-time event Uh, it's probably a number of uh, you know events that that continues to develop those relationships before you actually get a a concrete result Uh, but if you don't do it uh, you know obviously nothing really starts to take hold so it's many many uh, many months maybe even a year in the planning stage Uh, direct work with the uh, the consulate in Toronto that have uh, direct connections in uh, India and and some uh, some uh, folks on the ground in in both uh, New Delhi and Mumbai and Ahmedabad uh, that, uh, that have specific knowledge of uh, the, the areas that we want to target and would help facilitate our meetings when we're there. So you, you, need, a, you, know, you, you need a good core group of people. Uh, the province is also involved in this one. Uh, they, they're actually tagging along. Um, once they realized that we were on our way, they decided that uh, it was probably a good opportunity for them to join us as well. So Minister Fidelli is going to be on the same trip uh, along with some other folks in their ministry. And that's uh, good news for us in terms of, um, you know, for me, I, I met Minister Fidelli uh, up at Corbeck where we did the announcement there of the new galvanizing mm-hmm. plant there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we certainly have some good things that we can talk about in terms of uh, economic opportunities. Because it's a long flight. It's a long (laughs) flight and uh, lots of opportunity to sit down and have a chat. So I think uh, I look forward to doing that and and look forward to partnering with the province of Ontario in terms of future opportunities as well. And, 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 you know, we in Hamilton have for the longest time suffered from the kind of the GTA effect, uh, as you point out. That you know, Toronto seems to be the one that gets most of the uh, the uh, the attention. Seems to be the, the one that gets the most of the attention from from uh, the provincial government and maybe even from Ottawa. But I think uh, we're making enough noise, and I think we've established ourselves to the point that they realize that uh, other places in the in the province of Ontario need to. Uh, uh, participate in that kind of growth development and and wealth development and employment development uh, even more significantly than the past. So Toronto is now chock-a-block full. Uh, Traffic is a problem. Uh, Getting around for companies is an issue. And uh, in Hamilton, we, uh, we don't have the same kind of problems, and that's certainly a selling feature for anyone that's looking to invest here, that the quality of life is better. Uh, be, the ability for them to get their products to market is, uh, is actually easier out of this location, and so we use those selling points to uh, convince people that this is a great place to invest.
0: What would you consider that you have to see here for this to be a quote-unquote successful meeting?
2: Uh, that uh, that within a year or two that we uh, actually land a, a couple of specific companies that are going to either come here or and you know and this, this is something we may not never hear here about is you know the companies that are coming with us that have, that have had an, an expansion in their opportunity to uh, you know expand their market in, in, in whatever product they provide that that adds to employment locally here as well as uh, possibly employment in the, in India as well and there's always a mutual benefit it can't be a one-way street uh, they're looking for opportunities opportunities. Opportunities here, and we're looking for opportunities there, and and crossing that over. So I would expect, uh, you know, we might uh, we might get uh, something direct in terms of Mohawk College students. So we're going to meet with an army of parents and students that are thinking about uh, taking their kids to Mohawk College, and I think that's a direct benefit for the college and for the community at large. I think bringing international students in could lead to uh, you know future future creative innovation opportunities that these young students might create in the future and it, and you know they get to live here and spend their time here and their uh, parents get to spend some uh, some money in canada so having a, an opportunity to speak to them about the great mohawk experience that you and i could share uh... is uh, is going to be very important so we're doing that in amadabad on behalf of mohawk college and McMaster, is kind of in the same space that they're also looking for international students that really puts a significant dent in the cost of them operating their their facilities because international students pay 100% of the cost of uh, their their education yeah. here as opposed to the subsidized amounts that uh, the rest of us pay in Canada.
0: Well, and we're on the radar already. I mean, you know, once again, McMaster is one of the top 100 universities in the world. Uh, one, I guess it's the top research in in Canada right now. Uh, Mohawk College, still the best skilled trades uh, yeah. community college. Yeah. So th- it's not as if they haven't heard of these people.
2: No, but if you, uh, you want to stay on that leading edge, you have to make the effort to reach out uh, beyond your beyond your borders in many instances, and continue that drive. So uh, we want to make sure that uh, that McMaster stays the most intensive research location in the country because out of that research comes potential future products that can be made right here in Hamilton, and so uh, that research is going to lead to something positive. It could lead to something uh, you know much broader internationally as well, but all of that is good for Hamilton. So all all the effort that they're making in terms of reaching out beyond our borders, uh, has uh, the potential of generating some significant wealth uh, and development here in the city.
0: I got uh, I got a couple of seconds here. Let me, yep. let me grab a phone call here, and sure. then we'll, uh, we'll do a break, because i got a lot of things I want to talk to you about. 905-645-3221, start 9900, the Mayor's Town Hall. Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger on the Bill Kelly Show on CHML. Brian, you're first up. Welcome to the program, Brian.
1: Hi. Yeah, uh, I live in Hamilton on Queen Street North, and there's a construction site uh, on Queen and King, it was an old uh, um, yep. church of some
2: kind or whatever it was. It was the but, Academy, uh, there, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: but uh, they they seem to be doing excavation, which is good, and they're gonna you know do a new building and mm-hmm. everything. But mm-hmm. uh, they start at six thirty in the morning every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, they seem to be working even on the weekends and everything. And at, at six thirty, sometimes there's there's dump trucks lined up and stuff. And I've called bylaw about it, but nothing seems to be happening about it. So. Okay.
2: I thought you were going to talk to me about the plywood cladding that's around the uh, the site, which kind of offends me as well. I've been, been working on trying to get them to spruce up the look of that location so that it doesn't look like a... Uh Kind of a gap tooth in our in our community, but in terms of uh, construction and and timing, there's there's certain hours, and I'm I'm going to say I believe it's seven to seven to eleven. Yeah, seven I to think. seven
1: because even the dump truck shouldn't be right. off a commercial route yeah. before seven a.m. and things like that. Yeah, Brian.
2: So I'll I'll uh, I'll definitely look into that. I mean, we uh, you know quality of life matters in the neighborhood, and uh, you know they they ought to be adhering to the the bylaw requirements in terms of noise uh, beyond uh, you know reasonable hours. So. I will uh, check with bylaw and, and uh, you know check in with the uh, developer who's uh, Mr. Vranich, owns yep. that property and and uh, encourage them uh, t- for two things uh, I want I need I wanted to talk to them in any event about the cladding around the uh, around the site I think that plywood looks uh, unsightly and uh, doesn't it, it's just not necessary there's an opportunity to to make it look like some of the others that are uh, you know happening downtown that are putting some c- art in, in, in the location. And lastly, I'll, I'll double-check on the on the work hours. I'll, I'll make sure that they're following the bylaw.
0: Thanks so much for the call, Brian. Thanks, I do Brian. appreciate
1: it. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML.
0: Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger is with us. This is the Mayor's Town Hall, 905 645 3221 star 9900 are the numbers. Email bkelly900chml.com and Twitter, at CHML, Bill Kelly. We're going to get you calls. Pat, Vic, Sandra, and the rest of you. Hang on just one second. I've got to ask you, Mr. Mayor, about one other thing is there's been a lot of pushback and feedback that I've received over the last couple of days. I'm sure you've seen uh, some stories out of Ottawa about problems with LRT. It's not running on time. It's not running at all. They said that and uh, some buyer's remorse even from some of the people on city council right now saying, what have we done
2: to ourselves mm. Does that raise uh, any
0: concerns for you about what's going to be happening
2: here? Sure, and I think the uh, the opportunity is to learn from whatever s- mistakes they've made in terms of their process. So we, uh, you know, I, I, we we looked at Kitchener Waterloo that had a very good uh, you know opening opening process, and uh, we we've learned from that uh, as well. So they are learning opportunities. I you mean, know, these big projects are complicated. You know, little little glitches can uh, can you know kind of upset the whole system. They're going to get it right in Ottawa ultimately. Uh, you know, it's going to be very successful. I mean, the first few days where everybody was you know in the wow factor, but then you uh, you have to make sure that you're integrating your traditional transit system with your LRT. And it seems to me that uh, that is something that Ottawa didn't do very successfully, and Kitchener-Waterloo did. Uh, we are we are already planning forward on those issues, so we can learn from these mistakes. Uh, I don't. Uh, I don't buy the buyer's remorse idea. You know, if you're doing LRT for the right reasons, uh, you know, it's certainly for Hamilton. In my view, it's it's about transportation, sure, but also about the the, you know, the future development. You know that we are currently in the uh, uh, in the infrastructure ask in terms of some 500 million dollars for our traditional transit system, which includes both a uh, storage facility as well as additional buses to expand the the system. How that all integrates is already being studied right now by McMaster, Innovation, uh, McMaster Transportation Logistics uh, in partnership with the HSR. So I think we're, uh, we're, we're well established to not make the same mistakes.
0: Uh, yeah, because, I mean, for, you know, city councillors don't overreact to stuff like this, so I'm, well, uh, I'm surprised.
2: You know, you know, I mean, some of the naysayers will use that as, a, you know, rationale for not doing this. Uh, you know, ultimately, these systems work successfully right around the world. And, uh, you know, are there growing pains sometimes? Yeah, clearly there are. I mean, there's a... A bicyclist that was hit by uh, an ion train in Kitchener-Waterloo. Is that uh, is that w- why we should not go down that road? Clearly not. But there are you know people need to be educated in terms of how that system works, and we need to make sure that it's well integrated into the traditional trans- bus system.
0: Uh, one other quickie. Since we're talking about public transportation, uh, Eric Tuck was on the show uh, last week. Of course, Eric is the president of the America- mm-hmm. Manitoba Transit Union, in other words, the bus drivers' unions and, and workers. Uh, very, very uh, pessimistic about t- reaching a, a settlement here. I, I know they may be asking for a no board report. We haven't had a bus strike here for a long, long time. Uh, I hope we don't. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's looking pretty cloudy right now. How does the city handle something like this?
2: Well, I mean, obviously it's negotiations, and uh, you know we always have uh, you know the, the strike vote. I understand happened today, yeah. and you know that's that's traditionally part of the process. So it's not unusual that this happens uh... but uh... you know we encourage everyone to stay at the table and continue to negotiate and you know ultimately will come up with a resolve and you know what, what strike strike is in no one's interest including Including the uh, the union and their members, uh, no one wins in that scenario, and so I don't I don't think that we're all that far apart. So uh, let's continue the negotiations, and I have no doubt that before too long we'll get some positive result.
0: That last one was, of course, of the uh, late nineteen nineties, just around this time of year, and it and bled it, through into Christmas time, and it, it was ugly.
2: It lasted a while. I remember it well, and uh, you know one, you know, there's always a there's always a silver lining that comes out of this, and I remember so clearly that people were all of a sudden the town got close and people were giving rides to one another and uh, it was like a kind of a social atmosphere that all of a sudden changed cuz people needed to help one another to get to where they needed to go that's that's the that's a part of a blessing but we need our traditional transit system to work for our, our community, for our residents and uh, as we expand the system, we also need uh, you know our employees to be uh, you know well properly paid and, uh, and looked after in terms of the benefits that they uh, they require. So we'll continue to negotiate and make sure that uh, hopefully this strike doesn't uh, doesn't happen and we can continue on with our good transit system.
0: All right back to your phone calls. The Bill Kelly Show 900 CHML with Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger. Pat, thank you for your patience. Go ahead.
1: Hello? Is it me?
0: Yes, it is, Pat. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, sorry. Um, oh, First of all, thanks, Mayor, for all the, all the great work you do for the city. It's oh, terrific.
0: F- thank um, you, Pat.
1: But what, my question is is about the uh, historical buildings on King Street, you know, right by Gore Park. Mm-hmm. Um, I've called the numbers that are posted on the, uh, on the, on the woodwork surrounding them, mm-hmm. and I've, I've seen some theft going on, too, because uh, one of the buildings is quite accessible now. Right. And I've, I've alerted the, the, the owners about that, and I've asked them if anything's going to be done with the buildings, mm-hmm. and, and they say absolutely no plans. And uh, Jason Farr has mentioned uh, that all the permits and everything have passed, Still, right. so there's, there's no delay. So I, I was just wondering if there is—is is there any kind of bylaw or any kind of uh, ruling where something has to be done within a certain scope of time?
2: Yeah, there is, and they uh, they actually got some funding from the city in terms of the, the redevelopment of those buildings, and uh, you know, for a couple of times now, uh, you know, against my wishes, quite frankly, uh, we've we've extended that funding and that uh, that opportunity for them to access that funding uh, a couple of times, and I think uh, we need to stop doing that, in my view, and uh, encourage this developer to uh, to start moving on this building and get their plans, uh, you know, up and running, or. Or move that property and put it in the hands of somebody that is prepared to uh, to develop. And uh, you know I'm not sure what they're waiting for. Uh, they keep telling me that they' that, that the uh, the plans and the, uh, the the development is just around the corner. And then we uh, we extend the uh, the the financing uh, that we extend to developments of this sort for downtown. And then only to find, uh, you know, many, many, many months later that uh, there's nothing happening there. So I'm going to track back. Uh, with the, the most recent one was done a few months ago to extend the timeline for their uh, financing. But I think we did put an end date on it at that point saying this is the last time. Uh, I don't remember all the dates uh, specifically, Pat, but I'll double check. But uh, I, it's been a sore point for me. And I think uh, we want to encourage those developers to get moving because, it's, uh, you know, it's a key part of our Gore Park downtown that, uh, you know, there's a lot of activity going on there, but this one just seems to sit and mm-hmm. collect a lot of rock and rubble and, uh, you know, has to be cleaned up every now and again, and, uh, you know, it's just not looking pretty at all, and it, it really requires a positive develop to start happening there.
1: Okay, well, thanks very much, and uh, all the best in India.
2: Thank you, Pat. Thank you very much. Have Appreciate the time. call.
0: 905-645-3221, star Bill Kelly show 900 CHML with Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger. And uh, your calls, your questions, your comments. Uh, Vic, you're next on the program. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? Well, thank you. Go ahead.
3: Uh, the reason I'm calling is I support the uh, body cams. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't you take the money that you're going to waste on putting cameras in uh, city plows and everything. Uh, the camera's going to be on the drivers and going to be showing the trucks going up and down the main drags because the city trucks do not plow the side streets. Contractors do. Uh, and wasting the money on seeing where a plow is. Well, a plow is going to be on the main drag. That's just a total waste of money. If people can't wait till the plow gets there, well, so be it. Stay home. Uh, you got to be out at Tim Hortons or to a mall. Uh, that's just a waste of money putting cameras in there to, uh, look at a driver to see what he's doing on there. And the other fast question is, I'd like to thank you very much for a phone call that I never got when I talked to you two weeks ago mm-hmm. about this Caledon school here, what yeah. they are going to do with it. Yeah. Whether they're going to tear it down or or what's going on? Yeah, thanks, Mick. I I did there. uh, I
2: did. I did look into that, and there's a bit more history in that uh, around that, uh, you know, around that location as well as uh, you know around you, quite frankly. So, we did have a look at that, and uh, and you know, you're we're we're still happy to discuss it with you, and you could. uh, I think you were. I thought you were going to call into the office. No, you've called. You've called on a number of. You've called on a number of occasions, and. uh, I think uh, the reporting I got back from our staff was that they were a very difficult phone call. So happy to uh, discuss that with you and, uh, you know, feel free to call in. Uh, beyond that, the uh, the body cams, uh, you know, so far it's not been demonstrated that they've, that they've actually uh, have been a positive influence in terms of outcomes uh, in the past. And if I think about... You know some of the uh, the locations uh, in the United States where they have the body cams. Uh, you know it has not been conclusive that uh, the body cam shows everything that you need to see to be able to come to some sort of a concrete conclusion. So it, the jury is still out on that issue. It's being tested in some places, and what we're going to do is we're going to monitor those locations and ensure that uh, if we get into that process, that that it's going to have a positive effect rather than uh, than a neutral or negative effect.
0: Thanks so much for the call. A lot, lots of folks on the line here, so. We're going to try to move on and get as many as we can in uh, before we finish off the hour. Sandra, you're next on the Bill Kelly Show. Hi, Sandra.
4: Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. I I hope you do well uh, in India and uh, and have a good trip. Thanks. Um, My concern is I live at King and Dundurn, Mm -hmm. and between King and Dundurn and Jackson Square, I'll get hit by five panhandlers looking for Mm handouts, and it's the same story. It's almost like they're choreographed, broke homeless hungry. The guy at uh, King and Dunder, who has a dog, is actually a neighbor in my apartment building. Mm-hmm. But he's not homeless. You can't be hungry in Hamilton unless you're some kind of stupid. And I have written to Maureen Wilson on a number of occasions. These panhandlers are aggressive. And there's one panhandler who actually drove into the McDonald's park at uh, Main and Mm Dundurn, and then did his little sign and put a pair of sweatpants over his jeans and scruffed up his hair and sits out there. Mm -hmm. That's got to be a Highway Traffic Act uh, violation for distracted driving. And I'd like to take your answer off the air. Thank you. Yeah, Thank Thank you
0: you.
2: for the call. Uh, A particularly difficult issue to to manage, uh, you know, Sandra, because uh, you know what? We, uh, we can't control you know, people's behavior out in our, our broader community. We can't control you know, some of the instru- uh, musicians that are uh, they're out there. We used to do that. We used to identify locations and, and, and sanction them. Uh, but, uh, you know, they're, they're still occurring. And, um, you know, the, uh, the panhandlers that are claiming poverty, uh, you know, how, how are we to know which ones are and which ones aren't? And is there, is there a law against that sort of thing? And I would say probably not. Uh, although they cannot be impeding traffic and they should not be, uh, you know, harassing um, our citizens. And and should they be doing that, we certainly have something that we're going to do about that. But beyond that, for someone sticking their hand out and asking for money, um, you know, how do you police that? Um, And I'm not sure there's there's a quick and ready answer for that. And I know for a lot of people it's frustrating. Um, on the other hand, uh, there are numbers of people that are in poverty, and uh, you know how do you, uh, you know that, that clearly that's an issue that we're also continuing to deal with in a pretty significant way. Just last night, we uh, we actually introduced uh, you know some additional funding that had been uh, diminished for uh, for a women's shelter because uh, unfortunately, uh, if we weren't able to provide those funds to. Uh, to uh, this particular facility, then uh, there would be a lot of women out in the street, uh, you know, looking for, you know, resources or some warmth or someplace to uh, to hang their hat, especially in the winter months. So it is a problem out there. There are issues in terms of poverty and homelessness. Unfortunately, those that take advantage of that uh, could give all of those folks, uh, you know, unfortunately, a bad rap. So some of the folks that you know that are not homeless, uh, shame on them for, uh, you know, pretending to be. And uh, for those that are, uh, we we, we often have to find a way of providing them some additional help. And we're putting a lot of resources into trying to make sure that everyone has a home of some sort so that we don't have to have this homeless issue continuing on in our community.
0: But the other element to this, too, with all respect, though, Mr. Mayor, is uh, don't judge somebody just by the outward appearance and what you might see. That individual that she's referring to may well have an apartment in the building she's in, Mm -hmm. but he might be spending 60%, 70% of his income on rent, and that that doesn't, money for food right so i mean everybody's got their own story i'm not i'm not suggesting there aren't one or two people scamming the system that probably are they every other system there's going to be scammers but poverty is a real problem in this city just the fact that somebody actually might be able to put a roof over their head uh maybe they can't pay their utility bills maybe they can't get food on the table Everybody's circumstance is different, so you know, be that as we as have.
2: Not we have far too many people that are on the margins. We have far too many people in precarious employment situations, where they're you know working two or three jobs just to try to you know make make ends meet, and and often can't uh, have to make a decision between food and rent. Uh, so you know, those are complicating factors out there, and we have to understand and appreciate that that happens. In my opinion, uh, I'd rather see that uh, that homelessness is happening rather than trying to bury it somewhere it's an issue that we need to be mindful of and we need to be able to react to that and and react in a positive way so that we can help these people so I'm uh, you know I'm not personally particularly bothered by seeing that in our community what I what I'm bothered by is uh, whether or not we're taking action to actually help resolve those issues and I think we are
0: all right uh, almost out of time here I want to grab a couple more calls into this uh, Dave yep. thanks for holding on go ahead for the mayor
5: Hi, Mr. Mayor. How are you today?
0: Very well, Dave. Thank you.
5: Good. Hey, Mr. Mayor, I know we're uh, having problems with the, maybe a 5.2% uh, tax increase, and you're looking at some savings. Yep. I always thought it seemed very, very wasteful to have police paid on construction sites with their police cruiser sitting there mm-hmm. and uh, for hours on end and just sitting inside the car, cars idling. I don't know why we can't just, you know, do better signage and use that money that we're wasting on the police sitting there on a construction site and put the police back into the schools to try to get a handle on this bullying and uh, get their presence back in schools. It just seems, I know there there must be some sort of bylaw that we have to follow, but
2: so that's true,
5: but I, I can tell you this, digital.
2: Dave, that, that uh, these are paid-duty events. So, so these are, these are uh, construction sites, and the constructor pays for the police to be there. So it's not something that's coming out of the tax base. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of paid-duty activity that happens. So some of the paid-duty events are things like uh, the football games or, you know, other, others where the, the cost of those uh, paid-duty police officers is covered by the event itself. It does not land on the taxpayer, uh, which I think is a, v- a very positive step. So you have then paid-duty officers that may be on, in their off time. Uh, you know are encouraged to uh, to take uh, you know that that level of responsibility at, at certain events whether it's the parades that happen in our community or uh, you know football games most of those events are pay duty events that are paid from the event itself not through the tax base mm-hmm. uh, so having said that there there are uh, there is a bylaw in place and I think this started in Toronto where every construction site had had to have some sort of enforcement there to uh, to kind of man- manage traffic and other things that uh, that happen there you know, you, we could argue about whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but the reality is it's not taking away from the frontline services that are out there on a day-to-day basis.
0: All right, uh, just about out of time. Uh, I want to get Russell in here. Russell, thanks for holding on. Go ahead for Mayor Eisenberger.
2: Yes,
6: sir. Are we going to have a Grey Cup parade?
2: No, you know what, uh, something that uh, we d- we discussed and actually kicked around, and I'm hoping that we get to that point so we can make that decision, but uh, the, the Tiger Cats themselves would prefer to have an event at uh, Tim Hortons Field as a celebration as opposed to a parade. Now, parades these days are you know, complicated things and uh, can kind of go awry, and it, uh, there's a lot of security issues that happen around that to try and control that. So uh, I, the Tiger Cats themselves said we would much prefer to have a, uh, an event at uh, Tim Hortons Field, have a great celebration there. They'll bring all of the, uh, you know, the accoutrements that, uh, that are there as well as the team. Uh, and I think that's the direction that we're going to go in. So we'll, we'll, we'll be able to celebrate their victory. Hopefully it'll be a victory for the Tiger Cats in the Great Cup. And uh, and we'll do that at Tim Hortons Field in partnership with the uh, Hamilton Tiger. Cats. Well,
0: that's what they did with Ford FC just a couple of days ago. Yeah, I mean, Last uh, week, uh, I, I, I was it.
2: there. It was fabulous, and uh, people were delighted to be there. And they had a great presentation, and the whole team was there. And they they were a- actually able to get close to the players, have a conversation, as opposed to a parade where you kind of shoot by and everything. And, you know, the, then the team is gone. So uh, it was it was a great uh, a great celebration, and I think they want to model that for uh, for the Tiger Cat uh, Great Cup victory.
0: Uh, Thanks to everybody. Uh, Apologies to the folks we could not get to, but uh, we'll uh, try to get the mayor in here again as soon as he gets back from uh, his India trip, and we'll uh, get all these questions answered over the next little while. Uh, Anybody else that uh, has questions, and I'm just looking at some of the emails here, about snow clearing on sidewalks and things of this nature, just uh, call the mayor's office at uh, 546-4200, and uh, somebody will look after you. Thanks again. Have a safe trip. We'll talk when you get back. You too. Go, cats go. Uh, Yeah, I hope so.
1: You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML.
0: Later today, there is a report going to the uh, Hamilton Police Services Board uh, that basically recommends rejecting the use of body cameras on officers. This has been an ongoing and very, very controversial issue over the last number of years. Uh, And to that end the uh, Police Services Board has been conducting what they call an extensive review and survey and analysis of what's going on, and that's the uh, the essence of uh, what this report will include uh, a little bit later on today. Joining us to talk about this is Clint Tulin, who is the president of the Hamilton Police Association. Uh, Clint, thanks for the time. Good to have you with us today. Well, thanks for having me on, Bill. Let me ask you right off the top, are you, uh, are you surprised by the recommendation?
6: No, I'm not surprised. I, I mean... I think the overwhelming consideration uh, being put forward is the cost. Uh, it is a significant cost, and uh, so no, it doesn't surprise me that uh, the, the recommendation went that way.
0: Yeah, we'll uh, get into some of those numbers in just a couple of seconds here. There's, you know, there's another one here too that I wanted to, to, to run past you, because uh, I've had a number of conversations, obviously, with uh, with police services about this over the last number of years, and and with both the former chief DeCare care and, of course, Chief Gert about this, and. Uh, Nobody seems to want to say, yeah, this is great or this is not great. It just said, you know what, there's information on both sides here. Uh, and it, um, the word inconclusive keeps coming to mind.
6: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean I've mean, i said it before. Inconclusive can be a pretty subjective term. Um, it, uh, once again, I have many officers who've uh, faced allegations or been put in situations where conduct has been questioned. And um, I can tell you that from their perspective, um in any one of those instances body worn cameras would have been the solution and it would have justified and exonerated them from any of the allegations so you know i i guess that's just a subjective term that people have to wrestle with,
0: yeah, I can just in my mind's eye I can think of a couple of examples locally here as as you were articulating that uh that where they might have come in handy, but then we're hearing on the other side that well you know sometimes they shut off, sometimes they're not as effective as they can be, they only give you one angle, one perspective which can be misleading sometimes so it's there's there's no silver bullet here is there to try try to resolve these issues
6: no, there isn't, and um and I would echo those those points. There are certainly drawbacks to having uh, the body worn cameras. They're not the be all to end all and I mean, I can tell you from my experience on the tactical unit when tasers first came out the uh, conducted energy weapons. Uh, you know that was one of the things that I stressed as well as a as a um, as a an instructor. That it's it's a tool that can be used, but it's not the be all to end all. But with every tool comes the benefits as well, and those those are the the pros and cons that you have to
0: weigh. There's a question here too that uh, that I have asked both chiefs, uh, both DeCara and, and Gert about this, and maybe get your read on this too. Uh, if in fact a jurisdiction, a police service decides to go ahead and use these, and some have, uh, with you know relative, you know, I guess, mixed reaction and mixed success rates on this what are the cameras for are they to to determine the conduct of the officer or the conduct of the person that the officer is 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 dealing with
6: i think it's a dual mode to be honest with you bill i think that it has that effect uh, and and it's something that i've i've um, supported the fact that it, it it it's absolutely true that it will certainly put um into the into the public, the the behavior of the police officer, but it also has a check and balance on the the public as well. I can tell you um, the number of um, interviews that I've gone into for public complaints and SIU investigations where the police officer would have been exonerated very very quickly of any wrongdoing uh through the use of a body worn camera um it, it, it from that perspective it's invaluable and, and that's exactly what it does i mean the the number of frivolous and vexatious complaints that we get uh as a as a profession it it would certainly aid and and aid with the costs because these costs are always uh looked at from the 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 perspective of what it would cost to to actually have the camera program It it excludes the whole process by which public complaints and criminal uh, investigations through the SIU, um, how they could be tidied up and uh, there'd be a significant cost
0: savings there. Clint, I I guess maybe this might change from jurisdiction to jurisdiction, but is is there an established protocol on how to use these things, when to turn them on, etc.?
6: Well, yes, there there is, and that has always been, Bill, a little bit of an issue for us. When when the body-worn cameras first came out, there was an issue of privacy, not just for the public, but also for the police officers. You know, you're sitting there having a general conversation with, uh, with one of your workmates and, it, you know, if that is being recorded. Now, historically, there's been programs where uh, the officer is expected to have the camera off unless it's required, which uh, obviously... Involve some level of consciousness and the ability to be able to turn the camera on. Many of them have; they basically have a looping system that records all the time, but just doesn't imprint the, the actual information um, in a set manner. But it will uh, record the previous 30 seconds of um, of of the experience. So now I was at a, a conference last week where the it was a bit of a sales pitch, but. Their point was that the the new technology is now learning to recognize specific sounds, like the sound of a gunshot, which will automatically turn turn the camera on. So, there are different um, cer- certain different policies w- uh, within jurisdictions and across jurisdictions. But I think that the general consensus is uh, it's an on and off uh, program where the the, the camera is only on when it's really required.
0: All right, but with that, I understand what you've just said here. That there's there's a way that they can be activated. Uh, but if they're quote unquote on all the time, does that mean that somebody can be monitoring everything that you say through the course of a shift?
6: Yes, yes, that, that that's certainly possible. And there's other issues that come. You know, you go to a domestic. Uh, do, you know, do, do the people who are in that domestic situation want to be recorded? Uh, you know, how do you go about uh, um, basically getting consent to do that? And then on the on the flip side, like I said, if it's going to be a manually um run program where you automatically have to turn the camera on yourself in high stress situations you're more focused on other issues rather than turning on a camera that comes with some repercussions you know the. Uh, you know, perhaps an allegation that it was not turned on on purpose. So there's there's issues like that that come with
0: the program. Well, we've heard those already in, in some of those jurisdictions and some of the court cases. Uh, you know, well to say, well, yeah, what, what a coincidence they didn't come on just around the time that the the you know the incident uh, escalated or whatever the case might be. But the the you know, we we always talk and every time we talk about the use of CCTV, for instance, Clint, uh, there's always a hue and cry about you know as you said about privacy concerns. But if these things are going to be on, and I understand that it looks like this is not going to happen anyway, but the fact that an officer uh, can be monitored at any time by God knows who, uh, any time during a shift, uh, that, 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 that should raise a big red flag right off the bat. When you talk about privacy issues, police have those as well.
6: Absolutely, and that is something that, that I'm sure the other organizations that are using uh, the, the, the cameras are struggling with. Um, you know, when we're when we're looking at what you know the behavior of a police officer, uh, we're looking specifically into the behavior uh, as they conduct their professional um, obligations, as opposed to something that is much more, um, I guess, mundane, if you will. Like, uh, there are uh, historically there have been times when cameras are on. Uh, how is an officer even supposed to use the bathroom uh, if a camera is rolling all of the time?
0: small things like this that people don't seem to take into consideration. And, and then there's the, the efficacy of the whole system. As I, I, I've been watching some of the news coverage on this, because as I say, this is a, a controversial issue, not just here, but in many jurisdictions right across North America. Uh, they're very directional. I mean, depending on where the officer's wearing the camera, uh, they may be looking at, at the subject that's directly in front of the, the officer. But if something happens off to the side, you might hear it, but you don't know what's going on. You don't know what's seeing. But the officer certainly does, and they're responding to it.
6: Yeah, and and the cameras—you have to imagine—it's—it's—it is a little bit of tunnel vision. In fact, it's a lot of tunnel yeah. vision. Cameras don't have the periphery that the that the human eye does, and as well, part of this is—and I've seen video uh, from different places, mostly in the states, where uh, each police officer is wearing a body-worn camera, but they're all experiencing and seeing an incident in a different manner. Um, and one of the things that officers are trained to do. Is to make sure that they're aware of their surroundings. So just because an incident is happening happening in front of you doesn't mean that that's where you're focusing your attention. We're watching for other threats on a regular basis. I can tell you, having worked down in Hess Village and Jim been involved um, with many a disturbance or a fight, you're constantly looking around you. So again, does that bring into question whether or not you're trying to hide something or you're just doing your job as you've been trained to do?
0: Wait, let's talk about the 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 incidents themselves and 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 how often these things actually occur uh, because one of the other arguments that I've heard, Clint, uh, is, is look at ninety percent of the time uh, engagement between an officer and members of the public go along just fine. Uh, you know, there's there's questions, there's answers, everything moves on. Uh, we only hear about the ones that seem to, to to flare out of control for whatever reason. But the I'm I'm looking at some of the stats and they're included in this report here, and and I think it kind of puts it in perspective. Uh, they say that uh, in 2016 to 2018, uh, there are 331 complaints from the public about uh, the conduct of police officers, but that's of over a million calls uh, for service over that same period of time, so it is, uh, it's is—it's a small percentage. It is,
6: and I'm glad you brought those stats up because it's something that we've been trying to to share with the public for some time now the overwhelming number of incidents or, or interactions between police and, and the public. It it goes without a hitch. There's no issues. Uh, it is a small percentage and the, the from the from an association perspective, what I can say is it would appear that although it's such a small percentage, it does seem to get an an awful lot of attention of specific incidents. Um, uh, like I said, I can give you examples of where there's allegations that have, uh, you know, cropped up into the media and been spread, you know, just based on the the one-sided um, approach. That's uh, unfortunately, from a policing standpoint, we're bound by regulations from the Act, um, and so, um, you, you know, it, it may be a small percentage, but the impact that these allegations have on the police officers—that's what I see on a day-to-day basis. It, it, it is significant. Um, the, you know, police officers are just human beings going about their jobs, and when when you are faced with allegations that are, in so many cases, completely untrue, it does have a significant impact on on your life. And and to have some supporting evidence to show that you've done absolutely nothing wrong, I think that that would be beneficial.
0: The report also goes into uh, the costing, and, and and that's more, by the way, than just the cost of the unit, the physical cost of the of the of the, of the unit, the camera itself. Uh, but I guess, and again, I'm trying to be pragmatic about this, Clint, uh, if 90% or so of, of the calls uh, between uh, interactions between officers and members of the public uh, are, are handled fine, everything seems to be resolved, and, and there's nothing big, no big deal of this, uh, that's an awful lot of technology that's being wasted. I mean, it's still being recorded, and it's still going on like this. And then you get into the realm of, okay, that has to be stored, that has to be analyzed, and there's a cost to that, which I understand is into the hundreds of thousands of dollars
6: yeah i i don't disagree with you at all bill uh there there's a significant cost that goes along with it um and you know it it lost in a little bit of the conversation though is not just when you're looking at specific incidents uh the inquest uh into the um into the most recent or one of the most recent shootings downtown um would that have demonstrated uh how the the officer reacted so on and so forth those are questions. Um, so, I guess when you look at it from the number of complaints and the ultimate resolutions and and the and the you know the the issues that have come up in relation to the number of calls for service, it certainly does uh, beg the question whether or not it's it has value. Um, but again, one of the things that I see is the 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 issue that there are so many false allegations made against the police officers that this would certainly aid in, in being able to increase that public trust that the officers are going out there every day doing the best that they can. They make mistakes, Bill. There's no two ways about it. And it's my experience that they accept responsibility for, for, for those mistakes. So, um, I, it is, it is a difficult, um, discussion when it comes to the financial end of it. Um, because budgets are tight, and I get that, and um, I guess the value is, is, again, a subjective thing.
0: But when you listen to the debate, and, and I get both sides of it, obviously, in, in, on this job, uh, the polarized views on this are one saying, yeah, you know what, we need to keep an eye on those cops because you know what they're like, you know, uh, and, and as a result, you get some of the complaints that you've just referenced. The other side, I'm hearing from, from law enforcement officials that are saying they'd be great uh, because at least the, now you could see see nothing happened here, uh, and so you know it, it it comes to their defense as well. So it it just seems as it's a bit of a saw off right now. But nonetheless, the 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 technology isn't perfect right now. So I'm not so sure if it's going to solve any either one of those problems.
6: Well, and as we move forward, uh, does the technology get that much better? I'm going to say that the, it it absolutely does, and and uh, along with that you know the costs i think you'll see um, start to come down anyway i i think that you've seen that in the past um, that you know the the storage is a big issue you do have to hire people to to come uh into your organization to manage all of that data uh you're looking at disclosure issues you're looking at privacy issues the 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 challenges are certainly there and admittedly uh it's not proven to be um the be all to end all there's a number of areas in the states that have uh actually taken the cameras away from the officers and um in 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 a to 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 save money but it, you know they've done that cost benefit analysis as well so it does go both ways and don't get me wrong i know that budgets are tight i'd like to see uh, i'd like to see another 100 officers here in hamilton first before body-worn cameras, but it's, it's certainly a consideration.
0: Well, if you're asking you know, where should the dollars be spent, uh, the report goes on to say that uh, if the uh, committee decided they wanted to try a pro- pilot project with about 100 cameras, which seems like a significant uh, number, uh, that's about $900,000. Uh, and that, and, and on top of that, of course, as we talked about, is are the techs that need to be hired, and that's about seven hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars. So you know we're all almost close to two million dollars for a pilot project that that may get us right back to where we are now with inconclusive results.
6: Yeah, and and again, maybe this is not the time to 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 move forward with a program like this. Um, it's certainly something that I don't think should be put to bed completely. Um, I think, as like I said, time goes on and technology gets a little bit better and a little bit cheaper. It might be um, a better time to 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 look at this. Um, but again, the 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 bigger issue uh, or one one of the issues is um, what what's the value. And I can tell you from uh, from an association perspective, representing our frontline officers uh, and our civilians uh, as well. Um, not that civilians are going to be wearing the body-worn cameras, but just knowing that the, the, the complaints that come in, any tools that can be used to increase that public trust um, would be a welcome, that's for
0: sure. And, and to that end, any time that we've, we've talked about this after people have done some of this research, and I remember having these discussions, as I say, with the, the chiefs, uh, the answer has never been no, it's been not yet. Right. In other words, yeah. let's let the technology catch up. There was a huge debate. And you'd remember this about uh, CCTV cameras downtown Hamilton. You know, invasions of privacy, and they're not going to be effective. Well, they've turned out to be a pretty effective tool, and there's a lot more of them than there there were ten years ago because the technology's improved. I, I guess what we're waiting now is for this technology to catch up with this idea.
6: Yeah, and and I went through the same thing with tasers, uh, um, the 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 CEWs when they were first introduced there was a lot of pushback and um, when when we first adopted them here in Hamilton it was just to the tactical unit and there were fears of misuse there were fears of uh, not knowing exactly what kind of effects the tasers actually had though that technology has improved significantly as well um, and I'm not going to say necessarily the cost has gone down that, that significantly, but here in Hamilton, we outfit every uh, uniform officer with a taser because that cost-benefit analysis has been done over, over time, and, and we've allowed the technology to catch up to the day-to-day operation. And again, uh, when you're looking at costs, I think it's more
0: manageable. Clint, uh, it be an interesting debate later on this afternoon. We'll be watching. Thanks again for this. Appreciate the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Clint Tulan, President of the Hamilton Police Association.